with you tonight. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us from His Word. I was excited to go east on 14 to get here and see a complete double rainbow on the way. Did you notice that? It's pretty cool. I'm also excited because this is an amazing church. I'm just so encouraged by what God is doing. Bill Pruitt and Ken Warren were students of mine, and it's, it's encouraging to me to see them so faithfully minister. Bob Barnes, I've known for 26 years. You know, I expect condolences. No, no, I... No. I've been amazed to watch Bob ever since he was the youth pastor for our two daughters. How God uses him in such a mighty way wherever he is and currently in this place. Faithful to the Lord, faithful to you, and faithful to the Word of God. That is encouraging to me to watch. And then to be charged with the proclamation of God's Word in this pulpit. I want to be faithful to the Word of God. I love it dearly, and I want to be faithful to it. So I want to talk to the author before we get started. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much that we could come together and worship you and lift our hearts and our voices in songs of praise. We realize we're going to be doing that a lot in heaven. And this is the warm-up. But Father, while we're here on the earth, you've left us your word, and we're so thankful that you did so that we could listen to you. And our desire as we come to this portion of our time together is that we would have an ability to remove all the clutter from our mind and focus on what it is you're saying to us. Help us in that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I've noticed through the many years of ministry that Christians sometimes feel down about themselves. Not all the time, but you know, those occasions hit. You think about yourself and you look at all the talented people around you and you say, wow, when God gave out talent, he must have skipped me. When God gave out, and whatever it is you want to put in the blank, you know, he didn't give any to me. Or maybe you grew up with parents who were negative toward you and the words that they were saying were damaging and, and hurtful and you've never been able to quite shake it. You've always felt that somehow, somehow you just don't have much worth in this life or for the lives of others or even to God for that matter. Maybe you struggle on occasion with sin and you're feeling defeated by that. And you wonder how God could even want you. Even as a Christian, you might be struggling with these things. Several years ago, in the middle of my ministry, I was hit with a few losses and rejections that were 
what I would call a normal part of life, but I did not respond well. If I had not hung on to the truth of God's Word, I think I would have been swept away in my own self-pity. I want to tell you one of those truths that I hang on to in moments like that because they do come. And it's good to be reminded of what God's Word teaches. And it's one of those things that I want to share with you. I, I, I clutched it with my whole heart in the middle of a storm, self-made storm, but it was a storm, and I hung on to it. So what I'd like to do tonight is tell you what that is. And I want to encourage you tonight. God has done something incredible for every Christian in this room, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 1. So I would like you to look at whatever Bible you might have handy and look with me at Ephesians chapter 1. Now, the book of Ephesians is about the church, a body united in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it can be divided into two halves. Chapters 1 through 3 is the calling to a united body. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, you should live or conduct your life in a manner worthy of that calling. So, chapter 4, 5, and 6 is the conduct of a body united in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm pulling from Ephesians chapter 1 from that first section, the start of the book, as the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesian community church. And he encourages them with an incredible, awesome truth found in verses 3 through 14. That's where I'd like to focus. Now, as I do, I realize you might have a different version. I'm using the New American Standard Update. The ESV is also good for what I want to do tonight. But hopefully you'll be able to follow the thoughts that I'm going to be pulling out from whatever version you're looking at tonight. We get a hint of the incredible thing that God has done for us in verse 3. Look at it carefully. The Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? It says right there, verse 3, He has blessed us already, past tense. Every Christian has been blessed. With what? With spiritual blessings. How many of them? Every single one that we're due, we've already been blessed with. And you say, well, how is that possible? Because as a Christian, God sees you in Christ, and Christ is at the right hand of the Father, seated in heaven, and that's where you are. And you're saying to me, no, I'm not. I'm sitting here listening to you, unfortunately. God doesn't see you that way. He sees you as already in heaven, seated in the heavenlies in Jesus Christ. That means you have already every spiritual blessing. Isn't that amazing? 
Now that's the hint we get about what God has done for us. But that's just verse 3. What we discover in this rich section of God's Word from verse 4 to 14 is that Paul's going to describe something that the triune God has done that is absolutely awesome. And here it is. The triune God has made you his very own valuable possession. That's right. If you've received Jesus Christ as personal Savior and you are his child, he made you to be somebody of great value and worth. How did he do it? This one sentence in the original Greek, from verse 3 all the way through verse 14, can you believe that? That's one sentence in the original Greek. Now, the English translations help us out, and they put periods in various places. But in this one sentence, he's going to unpack how the triune God made us his very own valuable possession. Let's look at it. For example, verses 4 through 6, we have the work of God the Father. Look carefully at verse 6. Why was it done? To the praise of his glory, glory of his grace. Isn't that what it says, verse 6? The second person of the Trinity is verses 7 through 12. God the Son. He did his work to make you his own valuable possession. And why? Look at verse 12. That we might be to the praise of his glory. See that? Third person of the Trinity is found in verses 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit. He did his work at the end of verse 14. Why? To the praise of his glory. Now, to understand how the Trinity made you his very own valuable possession, I need to tell you a story. It's about my wife. She's a, she's a woman who doesn't spend a lot of money on anything. I think her hobby is to find deals, you know. So she, she should have a sign on the bumper that says, I break for garage sales, you know, she's one of those. One time she decided we needed a china hutch for our good dishes. She wanted an oak china hutch with doors in the front with the little windows in the doors. And I had learned early on in the marriage, you don't ask questions, you just go with her. When she decides she go to this secondhand store and we're going to look for this china hutch. So I'm looking around in the junk and I see nothing. Pretty soon I hear this voice say, John, over here. And I walked over to where she was and there it was. It was oak. It had little door, had windows and everything. It was right there. And so I dusted off the masking tape price on the top to see if we could afford it. And we could afford it. We were so pleased. We went over to the dilapidated cash register and we paid the money for it. Went back to the China Hutch and I looked out at my subcompact hatchback. <laughs> and said, there's no way. We're going to get this China Hutch in the back of this thing. And then my wife began to panic. John, I don't want somebody else coming along and deciding they want it. Let's tell the man to market sold. I said, okay. So he scratched out in crayon or something, a sold sign. 
put some masking tape on the soul sign, put it on the china hutch, and we felt better to go get another car and come back and get it. And that's what we did. Do you realize that that story is exactly what God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit has done for you? Let me unpack this. Let's take the work of God the Father in verses 4 through 6. What is his part in this to make us his own valuable possession? The answer is this. You're chosen by the Father. Isn't that what verse 4 says? Just as he chose us in Jesus before he ever created the world. Wow, he chose us before he ever created the universe. And he chose us so that he could present us perfect, faultless, blameless in his presence. Isn't that what it says? That we would be holy and blameless before him. You say, well, why would he do that? Well, verse 5 tells you that he had decided to do this. He had decided, already decided to adopt you and give you all the rights and the privileges of an adult son to receive the inheritance. You say, well, okay, John, but why me? Verse 5 answers that. The very last clause, it says, according to the kind intention of his will. In other words, why you? Because he wanted to. <laughs> his will is what he wants to do is according to the kind intention of what he decided to do. He wants you. He wanted you. Think about it. Chosen by the Father. He picked me. Now, to appreciate this, perhaps you need another story about my wife and her escapades on Saturdays when she would go out garage sailing. We lived in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama at the time. It's hot in Alabama. She'd been out. She came home on Saturday said, John, I found what I want. Let's, I want you to help me to pick it up. So, you know, I've been through this before. And so we went to this old house with a gravel driveway and a graf, detached garage with a gravel floor in the garage. She says, it's in here. <laughs> and I walked into that musty, dusty place. I'm looking around for anything worth anything. And I didn't see anything. She said, it's right there. And she pointed to my left. And I looked over to the left, and all I saw was this ugly, ugly fireplace mantle. I said, Carly, you don't mean that fireplace. Yep, that's what I want. We don't even have a fire. It's Birmingham. We don't have a She says, I know, I know. But that's what I want. And what do you got? Just... Put it in a car, will you? <laughs> so I did. Brought it home. And of course, I mean, it had peeling white paint. And it was my job to strip it. It had termite <laughs> damage on the bottom of both posts. And so I cut that off. I had to confess, wow, that wood was beautiful. That was a beautiful mantle. But what now? <laughs> we have no fireplace. She said, bring it in here. So she had a wall in the den that was vacant. She put, had me put this fireplace mantle up against the wall. And then she filled the inside with a picture. 
and she put some of the utensils around the outside and she put on the mantle beautiful flowers and candles and I stepped back and I thought, wow, girly, that's amazing. That looks really great. Have you ever felt like an ugly fireplace mantle in the plan of God? You say, well, God chose me, okay, but I don't feel like I'm worth Don't worry about it. He specializes in ugly fireplace mantles. (laughs) Why you? I don't know. Why me? And some of you are looking at me and say, yeah, why you? (laughs) I really don't know, but I do know this. God's purpose in all of this is verse 6. Very next thing that's said, verse 6. It was so that we would be to the praise of the glory of his grace. So that we would step back and say, wow, God, what you're doing in that life is amazing. Chosen by the Father. Well, now, Carly and I have wanted furniture, but when you're in ministry, you don't have a lot of money, so... It was nice in the, in the case of this China hutch to be able to afford it. To be able to pay for it and purchase it. And I've discovered something else about life that the more you, the more you pay for something, the more you tend to cherish your purchase. <laughs> That's true of my house. Second biggest purchase ever with our cars. And I notice that I tend to value those things. The more I pay, the more I... Well, God has made you his very own valuable possession. You've been chosen by the Father. But let's look at the second part. The work of the second person of the triunity. What is it? You are purchased by the Son. Chosen by the Father, yes, but purchased by the Son so that God could make you his very own valuable possession. I discovered that in verse 7 in the word redemption. In the beloved one, in the Son of his love, in Jesus, we have redemption. Now, what is redemption? It's To purchase out of the slave market of sin by the payment of a ransom price. That's what's happened to you. You were purchased out of the slave market of sin by the payment of a ransom price. What was the ransom price? The blood of Jesus Christ. That's what verse 7 says. And as a result, we receive forgiveness of all of our sins because of our redemption. And it was according to his rich grace at the end of 7, which he lavished on us in verse 8. Now think about this. What this means is that in order to make you his own valuable possession, he not only chose you, he paid the highest price possible for you to make you his own. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross was the highest price possible. 
You don't think he values you? He paid the highest price to make you his own. You belong to him. What a price. Now, why did God do it this way according to verses 8, 9, and 10? Well, look at it. In all wisdom and insight, God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in Jesus, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ. Now, think about that. God planned it in such a way that everything would center on his son. And he wanted his son, Jesus, to be exalted so that everything would be summed up in him. Things in the heavens and things on the earth. God revealed his plan to show the supremacy of his son, Jesus Christ. I think God is in the business even today, tonight of wanting to see that done through our lives, that we would exalt his son in every way to show the supremacy of Jesus. Well, what happened then according to verse 11? Well, in Jesus also we have obtained an inheritance. This redemption gave us an inheritance and why did we get that, according to verse 11? Because he wanted to do it. It was according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his want to. That's why. He paid the highest price possible for your salvation. And like I said, whenever you pay a, a lot for something, you tend to cherish it. He cherishes you. I know this, that I pay big bucks to buy my pickup. And I enjoyed it six years in the pastorate just before I retired. I drove that pickup, and it's still going strong. It's parked out here in the lot. But what you need to know about this pickup is one summer ago, my pickup was stolen right out of my driveway in the middle of the day with the dog and me both home. I just about fired my dog right on the spot. But anyway, so it was gone nine days and eventually it was found. And when it was found, everything had been uh, taken out of it, but none of the mechanics of the truck were altered in any way. It ran perfectly. Only problem was I didn't know that yet, so I had to pay a tow company to tow the truck from where it was found to my home. So not only did I pay for it initially, I paid for it a second time. You don't think I don't cherish that truck? By the way, I still have my dog too, but that's, you know. <laughs> now think about that. I'm trying to impress on you how valuable you are to God. The triune God made you his very own valuable possession. You've been chosen by the Father. You've been purchased by the Son. And why? According to verse 12, the very last part of this section on the work of the Son. What does verse 12 say? To the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ, that would be 
primarily the early Christians, mainly Jews, who were the first to hope in Christ that we would be, by application even today, to the praise of his glory. That's why he did it. So that we would come together and worship and praise him. Now remember the China Hutch situation? Uh, We wanted to take it home, but it wouldn't fit in the back of our little hatchback. So what we did, if you'll recall, is that we went and got another vehicle uh, and came back. Now what did we ask the man at the store to do? Put a sold sign on it. Mark it sold so that no one else can take it. Ah, that's where the work of the third person of the triunity comes in. Yeah. His ministry is found in verses 13 and 14. If you're chosen by the Father, that's wonderful. Purchased by the Son, amazing. But you're also sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, according to verse 13 and 14. Look at it. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Jesus with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't take a separate seal and seal you. The Holy Spirit himself is the seal. His presence in your physical body is the sold sign. I notice in these two verses, well, verse 13, there are two prerequisites to being marked sold, according to verse 13. After listening, first prerequisite, you have to listen to the message of the truth. Second prerequisite, you also have to believe. There are some people who think they're Christians and they've been listening to the message of the truth, but they haven't believed. They've never made the decision personally to receive Jesus Christ. Both must happen before you are marked, sold, before you become God's valuable possession. Also notice in verse 13 there are two people. And who are they? Well, the believer is one of them. The Holy Spirit is the other one. He is a person, not an it. Two people are involved. And then according to verse 14, look at it. The Spirit of God is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. There's two purposes in that verse for this part of the work of the Holy Spirit in God making us his very own valuable possession. First purpose for being Mark sold is to make sure nobody else gets you. It's to guarantee your salvation. You're marked sold. Why are you marked sold? So nobody else can have you. You belong to him. And verse, is it 13? It makes, no, 14 makes it very good. The Spirit of God is given as a pledge, a down payment, a guarantee of our future inheritance when this physical body will be changed to be like his glorious body. It's going to happen. And it's guaranteed. How? Holy Spirit of God is present in your life. 
He's the sold sign. You belong to him. That's the first purpose. What's the second purpose in verse 14? Very last thing that's said in our text. To the praise of his glory. Did you notice, at least in my New American Standard update, that verse 14 says that the Spirit of God marks us sold with a view to the future redemption, the redemption of our body. But it says the redemption of God's own possession. (laughs) What's that? You and me and every child bought with a price. The triune God has made you his very own valuable possession. Wow. You're chosen by the Father, you're purchased by the Son, and you're marked sold. And by the way, he's coming back to get what belongs to him. And his car's big enough. (laughs) Think about it. Wow. You mean God has made me his very own valuable possession? That's right. I don't have to walk around thinking I don't, you know, I'm just not worth too much to God or to anybody else. What? You're going to believe some other voice in your head other than the Word of God? I'm saying and I'm challenging you, believe the Word of God. God has made you His very own valuable possession. Be careful what you think about yourself because that is what God has done for you. And to say otherwise is to deny this portion of His Word. This truth that we have in his word. If you are God's child, he's made you to be somebody of great value and worth. The key here then, if you're God's child. You might have listened to the message of the truth as I indicated earlier, but never believed. Say, well, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to take away the sin of the whole world. That's not good enough. What? Yeah, that's not good enough. That's a mental assent to the fact that that's what happened. Jesus died to take away the sin of the whole world. But that's not the question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died to take away and pay for your sins personally? Have you received Jesus Christ as personal Savior? That's what you must do in order to become his valuable possession. And the moment that you express your faith and trust in him, (laughs) you're chosen by the Father, purchased by the Son, and sealed. You're marked sold in that instant. You become his child. So there's some words I want you to repeat with me tonight. Okay, we're going to take some time to try to bring this home to our hearts. The words are these. I am God's valuable possession. Now say it with me. I am God's valuable possession. Did you find that hard to say? 
If you did, then this truth is for you tonight. And then I ask you this question. If I am God's valuable possession, then how can I think so poorly about myself? How can I walk around and think I have no worth, that I'm not very valuable? So say it again with me. I am God's valuable possession. Did you notice that the person next to you, maybe, said it too? You say, you're kidding. <laughs> They're God's valuable possession too. Here's the problem I'm finding in churches where I've been ministering and asked to fill pulpits or take a pastorate on an interim basis. It's full of Christians who are very quick to degrade one another, to gossip about one another, to say things about each other that ought not to be said. So <clears throat> I know that's not a problem here, and I'd like to do my part to make sure it doesn't become one. What I'd like you to do now is to change what you're repeating with me to these words. You are God's valuable possession, but I want you to look over at somebody that you know is God's child. This is your turn to look around, to find somebody in the group that you can look at while you say these words with me. Are you ready? You are God's valuable possession. Now, some of you had no conviction whatsoever, so <clears throat> we're going to try it one more time. Find that person, maybe a different person this time, that you know is God's child. Ready? You are God's valuable possession. Much better. Each believer here is special to God, chosen by the Father, purchased by the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And then I have one more question for you. How can I degrade my physical body? Now, that is a very easy thing to do, especially after you've had sh shoulder surgery or something like that. <clears throat> or you, you, you stand in front of the mirror, in my case, and you look at yourself and you go, oh, that is scary. I used to have hair. Where did all those bags and wrinkles come from? And what hair ha I have left, it's all gray. Not to mention the midsection and the bad knees. I just can't do what I used to do. Can't run like I used to run. Oh, we slip into it way too quick. By the way, you can be young and have lots of hair and still have a problem with what you see in the mirror. In fact, I've discovered beautiful people still have problems with what they see in the mirror. How can this be? Well, I'll tell you, you're looking at things which are seen rather than the things which are not seen. And God specializes in what's going on inside. 
where the Holy Spirit of God is making the real you to be somebody's. Why do I say the real you? Because I've noticed that when people die, we put this physical body into the grave. That means that's not the real you. That was the temporary housing for the real you. The real you goes to be with the Lord in that moment. You with me? He will redeem that body one day. Until then, he's trying to get our eyes off of the mirror. He's trying to get our eyes off of what we see physically because we want to demean it. And God says, nope. The Holy Spirit of God is present in that breaking body. And I think God is interested in breaking down the physical body so that more of the glory will shine through. I notice Bob has a lot of it coming through too. Don't degrade your body. The Spirit of God dwells there. And you're bought with a price. The highest price possible. You should rejoice. So say it one last time with me. The words are, I am God's valuable possession. Say it with me. And Father, we bow in your presence and thank you for this passage. I pray that whenever we begin to feel down about ourselves and think we don't have too much worth, that we would run to this truth and listen to you instead. For you say, I am God's valuable possession. And Father, we want to believe you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.